This episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast is sponsored by Saved and Depressed, a suicide survivor's journey of mental health, healing, and faith. After witnessing domestic violence and drug addiction as a child, I struggled with suicidal thoughts from the age of 12 years old into my second suicide attempt at just 24 years old, which led me to being forced into the psychiatric unit. When I reached out to my church family, they their comments pulled me away from the church and ultimately God. Even though I understood that their hearts were pure and genuine, They lack the education on how to handle mental health challenges. In my book, I address generational trauma. I share my darkest moments, insecurities, how I work toward healing and rebuilding a relationship with God. I even offer mental health resources. And it is my hope that when you are finished reading my book, that you will begin to prioritize your mental health and realize that you can pray and see a therapist at the same time. Seeking mental health treatment does not mean that you lack faith in God. My book can be purchased on Amazon and is also available for Kindle readers. Let's get into the show. Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with the mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies, by simply sharing the stories of people of color who live and thrive with a mental illness and, of course, to normalize the mental health conversation. Y'all, I am trying so hard because my voice is Y'all, my allergies won't let me be great and I sound terrible, but I was like, you know, I really need to get this episode out. I'm going to drink some tea, put a few drops of peppermint and eucalyptus and some honey and some lemon and we're going to record this episode. So y'all, please bear with me. I'm going to do my best to get through this intro without sounding completely terrible. So I want to give a quick shout out to two amazing podcast listeners that I met last week. So last week I gave a presentation on talking about the importance of employment and peer support and one's recovery and then the behavioral health system. And so this event was private, so I did not promote it on social media, the podcast, or like my email list. Because if you listen to the podcast, but if you don't know, I'm currently working on my certification to be a certified peer recovery specialist in the state of Maryland. And so with that, I have to work one-on-one with clients for 500 hours before I can take my test. So I say that to say, with this particular presentation, It's a part of the mental health research project that I support and I work as a contractor part-time for. So a young lady came up to me, I cannot remember her name, and she was like, hey, I know you. And I was like, you do? You know, because I was kind of, it kind of threw me off. I'm like, you you know me? 
And she's like, yeah, I listened to the podcast and I heard you on the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. And, you know, I got your book and I follow you on social media. And that meant the world to me. And the reason being is because, as I've stated, I know that people listen to the podcast. It's evident. I see the numbers week after week. And occasionally I'll say, dang, I wish the numbers were higher. I wish I could be reaching more people. But despite that, I still continue to put content out. I still continue to make sure that I'm doing the best that I possibly can do. And it confirms that I'm walking in my God-given purpose and that people are listening and people are being impacted by the things that I'm doing. So thank you so much to the young lady who I met um, in Columbia, Maryland at the training where I gave my presentation. And so it gets better. Later on in the evening, I went to a networking event that was hosted by um, Kia of the Getting Grown podcast, which is a dope podcast. It's about all things adults. And so if y'all not listening to that, I definitely encourage you to add that to your podcast list. It's definitely one of my weekly listens. So Kia hosted a networking event. And so I decided to go because one, I like what she's doing and I wanted to support what she's doing with Team Typing Fast. So I attended the event and a young lady, I remember her name, Ashley, came up to me and she's like, hey, she's like, um, I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she's like, I know you, you or I follow you on social media. And I'm like, you do? And because like, I'm pretty engaged with most people on social media. So I know a lot of people who's following me because it's not like I have that many followers. I may have like 3000 followers and that's give or take because there may be some like bots or trolls following me. So I say that to say I don't have that many followers, but she was like, yeah, I listened to the podcast. I bought you. Um, you know, she's like, yeah, I listened to the podcast and I love the work that you're doing. And then I immediately started to get emotional. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to start crying. Not because like, oh my God, someone recognizes me or, you know, I'm famous far from that. But I was getting emotional because it just confirmed like Takia, keep going, keep doing what you're doing. People are watching the work that you're doing is needed. Don't stop telling your story. Don't stop this mental health conversation. And I left the networking event and I got in my car and I just started tearing up. And I was just like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Like, this is amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, here were two separate events, two different people. There was not, it was not something that I advertised. I didn't even say I was going to like the networking event on social media or anything. Um, actually, no, I did. But needless to say, I wasn't expecting to meet two people that day at two separate events who listened to my podcast. So I don't know who this is for, but if you're sitting on a dream, if you're sitting on something that you believe is a part of your purpose, please be obedient and do what you believe you're called to do because it will not only change the lives of others, but more importantly, it will change your life. And I'm just so overwhelmed. So thank you to, again, Ashley and the other young lady, sorry, I can't remember your name, who came up to me and was like, I support you. That meant so much to me. I'm excited to see 
everyone who's going to be there this Sunday at my book signing in Maryland at the Carolina's Kitchen in Hyattsville, Maryland. As I've stated last week, anyone can come to the book signing to purchase a book and get the book signed, but I'm all sold out for, or rather, there are no more spaces left for the panel that's happening because the private room in the restaurant is small. But if you would still come out, I would still love to meet you and sign your book and chat with you and all that good stuff. So I'm super excited. I cannot wait to see you. And then again, July 18th, I will be having a book signing, but I'll also be a part of the Minority Mental Health Summit in Birmingham, Alabama. Never been there. Super excited, so I look forward to doing that. Thank you again to No More Modder, No More Modders, and Dr. Nadia Richardson for this amazing opportunity. So I look forward to meeting some of you there. And my Jersey peeps, stay tuned because I will be announcing the book signing that's happening in my home state, New Jersey. I'm super excited. It's happening this month in July. I can, I'll tell y'all the date. It's actually July 27th, and I'll share more details on next week's episode. So now that we got that stuff out the way, on today's episode, I am speaking with Anthony and Osadeba, who are the founders of Dead the Silence, and Anthony lost his sister to suicide, and Osadeba struggled with suicidal thoughts, and they talk about the importance of having the mental health conversation and what led them to start Dead the Silence. So let's get into this episode. Welcome, Anthony and Osadeba, to the Fireflies Unite podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me. How are both of you gentlemen doing today? Doing this well. I'm Anthony Duncan. I'm doing pretty well. And this is Osadeba, and I am excellent. Awesome. So I'm excited to speak with you both and just to really talk about the work that you're doing with Dead the Silence. So I want to start off. um, I usually start by asking the question to my guests. uh, Was mental health talked about for either one of you growing up? So this is um, Anthony Duncan. Um, Growing up, mental health was not talked about at all. It was Something that was looked at as uh, as being taboo, um, I think, just based off like how my parents were raised um, in the household. If you if there was something that you were feeling, pray about it, go to church, um, and you know you don't want that attention on yourself. So uh, mental health was something that uh, was if you you're queer, being quiet or keeping things to yourselves was a was a sense of of strength, and that's was something that we practiced in my household. And this is Osadeba, and mental health was never a discussion. Um, Being first-generation Nigerian, also um, living in Houston, Texas, deep, deep south, um, and being a male as well, those discussions similar to Anthony didn't happen, um, was more than taboo. It was non-existent, not even a thought, not even a forethought, not even an imagination so um, moving around and having the opportunities after post-college really was the first time we were able to experience that or I was able to experience that myself. Yeah, it's not uncommon 
um, for people of color. Um, and I think, um, Osadeba, you have a, a different and unique perspective, given that you're first generation Nigerian. So were your parents um, involved in the church? Uh, my parents were definitely involved in the church. I would say my dad more so than my mom. My dad was actually, is actually a deacon in our church, and my mom's a deaconess by relation. But, um, yeah, definitely involved in the church. But um, just being first-generation Nigerian, my parents worked a lot. So church was something that we did normally, but it didn't necessarily impact my adult life outside of the church outside of Sundays like Wednesday worship and all those other things didn't really happen it was a more individual basis on me growing up in Houston I think in terms of like we it's it's, like I said it's not uncommon for people of color to for us not to talk about it and so if you ever have you ever felt open or comfortable sharing any challenges that you have gone through that was like impacting you, whether it was school or whether it was something that a transition that you were going through, maybe it was like college or challenges with your friends or like, have you ever felt comfortable coming to your parents to talk about what any like challenges that you were feeling um, that you were going through and how it was impacting you and like the emotions that you were experiencing? Um, this is Anthony Duncan. Uh, I would say in, in my household, I was like the glue of the family. I was the person that people came to for advice or to let things off their chest and just to um, be, be a person, just a listening ear. And so I just felt in that regard, I didn't have the space, you know, to, to share how I felt or to share my emotions, you know, in any particular way. Because if I was able to share my emotions, I was going to be, you know, deemed as, you know, weak or, you know, too emotional as far as like being a male, how I was raised. Um, and I was like, okay, if I if I shared too much, you know, would they be able to have that confidence to put that on me? Um, so like my faith in God was something that was definitely um, something that really I, I leaned on as far as like having my strength. Um, but I don't think it was really until um, recently, you know, I'm able to, you know, open up you know, to my friends and to my family about things that's going on, you know, which was pretty much one of the reasons why, you know, I started, you know, Dead to Silence, um, you know, with, with Day By. And it just helped me just in my healing process, you know, with me and him, we were able to open up more. We had like any situations that, you know, arise or anything we're going through our day, you know, we like to just start off our conversations just for how are you feeling? How are you doing today? And just to check in. So I think we definitely are able to like bridge that gap as far as like the stigma, you know, you know, two black men talking about, you know, mental health, but just really checking in with one another and um, just being like each other's confidants and being each other's like, uh, you know, a shoulder as far as like, hey, let's, let's, we can just, we're, our strength comes from, from talking, you know, showing emotion is power. Absolutely. Like there's so much power and vulnerability. And I don't think that we realize that until we actually open ourselves up to being vulnerable and saying like, no, I'm not okay. There's something going on and I need to talk about how it's impacting me. Um, What about you, Osadeba? Well, I would, I would second that as far as talking to my parents about 
different situations that happened in my life. Um, once again, I would say my relationship with my parents was always authoritative and obedient. And it wasn't really partnership and communication. And I think that's uh, I actually seen at work this past week as we had one of our town halls. They were breaking out our company and explaining how some of us are millennials, gener Gen Z, and baby boomers, and the relationships or the, the stigmas that are with them. And within millennials, there was the partnership, and Gen Z, there's the partnership relationship with the parents that are now very common. But for me, with my Nigerian parents and them being about 40 years older than me, that didn't happen. And even within my siblings, that didn't happen. And then moving forward in life, like me and Anthony, growing up, we had a great relationship, but it wasn't until we were able to really call ourselves adults outside of college that we were really able to like lean on each other and really realize the, the power and vulnerability, but the power as well within clarity of speaking something out. Like when you talk about the things that you're going through out loud, you then get an understanding of it. You get an understanding of what it sounds like, and then you get a picture of it, and then you share that picture. And then somebody else gives you feedback and also just accepts it. So then you get acceptance. So Dead to Silence is really just about airing it out, bringing that awareness, really getting that education from your view, and then also getting that empowerment from talking through it. And that's something that me and Anthony both get to share now, and it's something that mental health and the mental health conversation we're now learning and experiencing yeah that's awesome and i think what i love most about this is that it's two black men like mm -hmm. it's easier even though yes there's a stigma and it's hard for black people in general to be vulnerable because of the mental health stigma but for men i feel like because you have to hold up this facade or like this to be like this dominant or like masculine and like not show emotion so the fact mm -hmm. that it's two black men that are like coming up and saying like I'm doing this work I'm advocating for mental health and I'm talking about the things that I've experienced and how it's impacted me I think is really powerful because it's so important for black boys to see black mm -hmm. men being vulnerable so that we don't perpetuate this the stigma, but also give our black boys the space to heal. I agree. I 100% agree. And I think what I, you know, want to talk about, you know, with Anthony, I know that you unfortunately lost your sister to suicide. Um, so did you notice any signs of mental illness before your sister passed away? Um, I would say that my sister was always a very happy person. She really was a people a people person. She would give the, her last dollar to show off her back because she really enjoyed seeing people happy and seeing people um, joyful. And she really, you know, was somebody who was, was big on family. Um, you know, my sister, I didn't see those signs, but um, while she was in high school, she was diagnosed with, you know, bipolar and also, you know, depression. Um, but when I was always around her, it was always a great time. You know, her friends always had great things to say about her. Um, so, you know, when, you know, it did happen, 
um, it really was a shock to me because, like I said, I didn't see those signs for myself. Um, during that time, you know, my sister, she was um, about four years younger than me. Um, so she, when she was diagnosed with depression and bipolar, she was in high school and she was uh, 14 years old and I was in college. Uh, I went to Morehouse, I was at Morehouse College. So, you know, I wasn't able to really see her on a day-to-day basis, but when I was around, it was always a great time, always and laughing and smiling. So, you know, when, you know, things did transpire, it was, it was, it was definitely like a, a shock to me. You know, it was like my, um, my heart was, my heart was sunk and my, my, uh, comfort blanket was taken right up, right up under me. And, you know, did it, it was kind of hard for me to process life from, from that on as far as the, uh, going through life as being one person. Yeah. And I think that's really hard just because I think just finding out that anyone has passed away, but to know that a person has taken their own life because of mental mm-hmm. illness, I think it adds another layer because then you ask yourself, like, what could I have done differently Um, Or why didn't they tell, feel comfortable with telling me or what could I have done? Like all these things that go through your head. So how old were you when this happened and how old was your sister? Uh, My sister was 18 years old and I was a junior in college. So I would say I was, it was 20 years old during that time. Um, Like four years, I think she was like 17 uh, turning 18 and I was like 20, 21 at that time. Um, so yeah, like I was in my junior in college and she was in high school, um, you know, during that time it was pretty, it was pretty tough for her. She, um, um, she was saying she was very good in, in volleyball and once she, she uh, got injured after volleyball, things just kind of started to twirl downward for her. Um, she stopped playing volleyball and, and that's when she was, uh, you know, diagnosed with, you know, depression of bipolar, taking, um, different medications for that, you know, going to see therapists and stuff. But, you know, I just think things just, you know, wasn't really clicking for her. She tried, it was very, tried very hard, but, um, you know, it was just the point where she, her outlet wasn't speaking to other anybody about it. Um, you know, she was an artist and so she drew a lot of stuff and she wrote a lot of things. Um, some of the things she wrote were on, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, Tumblr, how she got out some of her emotions. Uh, but she never really used the power of like talking to me, you know, the, the person that I was her brother that I would do anything for her, um, you know, but she, she masked it with a smile on her face and, you know, she put everything in her, her drawing book. Wow. And what year was this when your sister passed away? It was uh, 2012. Okay. Wow. So when this happened, I can only imagine you know, what it did to you. Um, but I, I also want to talk about how it impacted your parents and what was their response like to this? Who, um, I think that's when like the, I was able to see, you know, strength in you know, both of my parents. Um, my dad was, uh, he was a cop. Uh, my mother was a nurse. Um, from that, you know, my dad, uh, really took it. He took it as the the, the hardest because his baby girl. You know, um, I just you. I don't think you really ever understand that the um, the relationship between the dad and, and his daughter. So you know, I think he took it the, the the toughest. And my mother, you know, she found strength out of that. She was like, you know, my daughter committed suicide. Yes, it's a terrible thing, but you know, there's somebody out there that is is de- de- dealing with the same thing. So I'm going to start my own nonprofit, which she did. 
Uh, she's, it's called Ask J. Jean Foundation, uh, which is, you know, talk more, text less. And she's been just been around around for like six, seven years and it's in Houston, Texas, and they do different workshops and stuff. So her strength came from speaking out on her own story and helping other uh, parents that are dealing with the same thing or, you know, um, also kids that are feeling the same way or were affected by my sister's passing. So she was able to do the work as that. And I, and I saw her, her, uh, her strength, but I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was as strong as she was, um, you know, as far as like being able to have the strength to talk about it and as, it being, you know, just right after it happened, you know, it took me a little bit longer to really, you know, you know, really um, dissect what was going on because I, you know, with being men, you know, I was, like I said, I was the glue of my family. So I was like, I, I'm just going to put my trust, to put my trust in faith and in God and move forward, you know, because I have people that are, that are depending on me, you know. Um, but I said it wasn't until recently that I really, you know, was able to dissect all those feelings that I was going through and really depending on like, you know, good friends like day by, you know, um, and different other friends of mine to really talk about these issues that they were, that were going on with me. And, um, uh, that's, that's really where Dennis Thomas came from. This was inspired by talking about, um, issues that was, that you're dealing with as far as like trauma and pain. Um, and once you're able to get that out, you just feel freeing. Um, you know, just talking to day by, it was like, we just need to dead the silence on mental health issues and what's going on because once we get the silence we're able to move forward and find the strength to, to move past it whether it's you know dealing with ourselves as far as like re realizing self-love self-care and then whatever avenue we want to go into which is therapy um to really talk about that and sharing your story because somebody else could see that and find the strength like i felt the same way and this is what i'm going through and this is the domino effect of, of rebuilding and uplifting a community and humanizing this conversation yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that's great that you and your mom both, you know, through your pain, you're telling your story and hoping that it will help save someone else who may be dealing with something similar. And even for those who have gone through losing a loved one to suicide, I haven't lost a sibling, but I've lost a cousin. And so it's, it is hard to yeah. you know, to, to go through that. Um, but if you can speak out about that, again, you save someone's life and you also begin to connect with other people who have lost someone to suicide and you, and you can create a community and support each other. Right. So I think it's great with you, you know, what you, what you all are doing. Um, what would you say how, what would you say you've learned from your sister's passing? Ooh, um, one thing I learned is to treat people with love and kindness because you really never know when a person's at their last straw or at their last wit's end. Um, you know, you never know like what a person's feeling. So if you're able to walk through your life with looking at everybody with unconditional love, and, you know, not allowing your day-to-day -day as far as, like, you know, whatever you're feeling. But to treat people with kindness and love, um, that can go a longer way. Giving somebody a smile or saying you're beautiful or saying you're loved, you know, that can really change somebody's day around, you know, because you don't know that person may have felt like, you know, nobody really loves me. Nobody wants me. Like, I'm just walking this earth and nobody sees me. But if somebody sees you and shows you that that just you being seen, that can change somebody's day. So it's really treating people with love and kindness, you know, because, like I said, that could change somebody's day. And you, you, you know, I just feel like we, we, we kind of go through life being selfish. And then when things happen, you kind of dissect, oh, this is what happened. But 
treat people with love and kindness, you know, goes a long way. I agree. I could, yeah, it really does. Opposed to judging someone and asking them, um, saying things that will make them not want to share because they don't feel right. safe in sharing or they feel like you're going to judge them. Right. Uh, it, it does make it easier for someone to be open and to talk about it if they feel like they have a support and have a a safe space where they can they can share. Um, so what would uh, both of you say to someone who is contemplating suicide and feel feels alone? What words of encouragement would you um, say to them? Um, this is Osadeva, and this is coming from someone who has in the past thought of suicide himself, and also understanding, just coming from my point of view, and also through the experience of meeting others who have, is to first understand that if you have a problem, suicide most definitely won't in that problem, but it's mm-hmm. something to make sure that you speak on. Let others who love you know what you're going through. And then also look for help and resources, professional help and resources for those issues and they're out there. Um, for me, I would say just in speaking that and looking for those people who professionally can help you, that are, that's a counselor just to provide resources. Those are counselors. Those are helplines, suicide prevention helplines, which we provide as well within the Dead to Silence page. And then, also, and then also just knowing all of the people that will miss you and love you. Although in moments of, of thoughts like that, you see yourself, you might see yourself as a problem. A lot of people will feel a loss. Anyone? Anyone out there who is gone, period, is loved by someone. And if by no, if you feel by knowing, I definitely do. Me, Osadeva, I love you if you feel that way. I would say, um, just this is Anthony, um, just you know, somebody who, you know, is contemplating suicide or somebody that is feeling those, those thoughts, um, you are loved. You know, you, 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 you're so, you're beautiful. You know, people do love you. Um, and I think the one thing we do need to talk about, you know, is is practicing, you know, self-love, you know, and self-care, you know, because once we're able to love ourselves, you know, we're able to, you know, to, to be whole and to be, you know, to be free. And also just to, um, if you are feeling those thoughts, don't be afraid to tell your mother or tell, like, a close friend, you know, um, or, you know, say, I, I, I want to talk to you, I want to share, and also it's up to them to be a, a listening ear because that's one that's one part of the conversation that it kind of goes in without the other somebody can say what, what's on their, their mind but you know we also need to be a listening ear and like Dave I said like therapy is like the best option you know definitely research you know the type of therapist you want to go to man female you know they say you know color preference or whatever um but just know that it's just, you are loved you love yourself you know speak affirmation to your life um you know practice self-love, you know, I think we, as, as humans, um, or even in, in the black and brown community, I don't think we really have known what self-love is, 
you know, just based off like the, the, our ancestry background, as far as being from like slavery and, you know, going from there, like we never really got a chance to love ourselves. And I think we are, you know, starting to do that more. So really just starting to practice self-love, you know, speak affirmation to your life and, and make that a daily practice, you know, for yourself. I would add to that is um, connecting with uh, peer support groups. So the National mm-hmm. Alliance on Mental Illness has a support group that is facilitated and led by people who live with a mental illness. And for me, I found a lot of comfort in being around others who have experienced a mental illness. It has really helped me because for a long time, I didn't even think I would be able to like do much. I thought I would just have to like be on disability for the rest of my life and just Mm. really not do anything when I've always been a very goal oriented and driven person. But when I was sick, it was like, I couldn't really, I couldn't do much. And so it did help me to be around peers and so the work that what um the work that you're both doing with Dead the Silence, um, can you just talk about some of the things that you have done? Um, sure. As I, I'll let Day by uh, start start with one one of the things we did this this uh, beginning year that he spearheaded. Okay. Um yes, this is Osa Deba. Well, some of the things that we do are provide venues and events that educate on different issues like mental health perfectionism or trying to be a perfectionist within yourself self-love and as well uh, situations similar to and and like domestic violence and we sponsor things like poetry nights Uh, we work really closely with an organization called the stage box in the bronx of new york and we sponsored a night there where we hosted a night by Dead to Silence and discounted everyone's entry and then hosted the night on the topic of love where poets, uh, amateur poets, and individuals who are just in the attendance in the audience had a platform to speak on different issues and different situations targeted towards love and with Dead to Silence, where they were able to understand what what our organization does as far as educating, empowering, and then also um, bringing awareness to these issues, but then at the same time, giving them the voice and giving them the platform to do these things. We also have um, events and partnerships with organizations like Big Brother, Big Sister to come. And then um, back home in Houston, where we're both from, um, planning on hosting an event there to bring panelists together and offer resources for individuals to understand what their resources are as they go through their different issues, as they go through their different, as they go through their different um, things that they want to dead the silence to. Yeah, and this yeah. is an Anthony. Just to piggyback off of that, um, we are I'm also did a just finished editing a documentary called the Dead to Silence, you know, documentary that showcases six people speaking about, you know, their truth, you know, things that they've, six African-American millennials and what they've dealt with in their past and how they're able to overcome to the point where they can speak out on it. Um, so that will definitely be, um, you know, and soon too, as well. And um, also we do have, you know, Desert Silence t-shirts that you guys, you know, can purchase like, you know, on the website. 
www.deadsilence.com. Um, just just as far as like supporting being a, a walking uh, representation awareness, and also if you donate, you know, some proceeds to uh, Ash Dickey Foundation. Well, I think what you're doing is like it's so needed, and it shows the power of community of what can mm-hmm. happen when you partner with other organizations and when you partner with, you know, your friends and what can really come, come of actually being vulnerable. And again, like right. I said, the biggest thing for me is that I love is that it's two black men doing this work. And that's like, I think it's so important for more people to see that. And um, do you guys have any, um, upcoming events um, that you can share or anything that people um, can be on the lookout for? Uh, this is Anthony. Um, definitely the, the event in Houston is going to be on July 18th um, at Cafe 4212. We'll have more information coming out next week about that. Um, but it's going to be, you know, because July is Minority Mental Health Month, and it's going to be a panelist of uh, mental health advocate and mental health um, experts you know, talking about different things that gear are, you know, the black and brown community around mental health. You know, one thing that David always talks about, um, which is, you know, providing resources and also giving people a space to be open to talk about what's on their mind, you know, hear different uh, experts, you know, talk about different things and, you know, just being like a open space that people can have this space like, wow, I can come and I can let my guard down and I can, you know, be able to share what's going on so I can, you know, seek the help so I can start healing on things that, you know, I haven't dealt with, you know, just, you know, based off, you know, the generational curses, why things are continuing to happening, you know, just stuff like, stuff of those things that I've dealt with in my past that, you know, I'm still dealing with and, you know, healing never stops, you know, healing continues to go on. So I thought, you know, we, Dave, Dave and I thought it was a great idea just to have, you know, a panel discussion, you know, in Houston, and which is our hometown. Also, July 18th is my sister's birthday, so it's like a tribute to her as well. So that's one thing we do have um, coming up. Awesome. What I will do is I'll be sure, you know, you can share that information with me so that I can include it in the show notes so that those who are interested, um, they can refer back to it and they can uh, find out more information on that. And if you can just share your website and your social media handles, which I will also include in the show notes so that um, those who are, who's interested in connecting and learning more about what you're doing, they can um, reach out and follow what you're doing. Uh, um, so the Instagram for dead, the silence is uh, at dead, the silence. Um, the website is www.deadthesilence.com. Um, you know, my personal Instagram is a underscore D U N K S. Um, so that's where you can, you, you can find, follow the, the Instagram page and post different resources, um, different positive quotes, different topics on the page. Um, you know, the website is where you can purchase, you know, the Dead of Silence t-shirt and see some of the upcoming events that we have going on. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health. But please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.